Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy. And welcome to Star Wars Sessions, the show where only Star Wars is the subject. And joining me, as ever, in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars fan man and buddy out there. He is Bly Rector Krennic himself. Oh, Glyrector Krennic. <laughs> that is absolute banter. Love it. You're right, Hub Solo. How are you, mate? You good? I'm very well, thank you. I will say that the Bly plums are starting to get few and far between. I really am scratching, but I'm going to keep them We're going. We're going to have to recycle some. We're going to have to recycle some. Yep, or we'll put, we'll put it out to the listeners. More Bly puns, please. But no, all good over here. How about yourself? Yeah, beautiful, mate. Beautiful. It's a Monday as we're recording right now. Um, first day back at work, as always. But, mm. you know, I've come home. I've had my dinner. And I'm ready to shoot the galactic breeze. What a man. First question. What did you have for dinner? Oh, I had spaghetti bolognese by the missus. She cooked Ooh. it for us. It's gorgeous. Very nice. Well done, Mrs. Bly, for your culinary skills. <laughs> Um, I, had a, I had a roast dinner, so I'm I'm, I'm a day late, oh, but I enjoyed that. So I'm pleasantly full up and ready to talk Star Wars. And uh, yeah, we are we're we're kicking off with some news. What's been happening in the galaxy? Uh, what's the word from the cantina, Luke? What's going on? Uh, so I think the biggest news is that we got new films. Right, yeah. the internet's going crazy for it. Disney have announced that we're going to get new Star Wars films coming in December of 2022. 2024 and 2026 so we have to wait a little bit of time after episode nine for our next star wars film i can't say that i'm surprised and i actually can't say that i'm disappointed i mean the wait it's a double-edged sword a little bit it, it sucks a little bit but it's also i i understand why they're stopping it a little bit it's three years we're gonna to have to wait three years till we get our next film um but as long as it's quality over quantity then i am happy your thoughts on it mate pretty much the same i mean the three-year time gap is fine we've waited a year and a half since solo uh we're not even there yet for when the rise of Blywalker comes out but I'm, we're gonna have so much stuff coming out the mandalorian cassian andor um, for me, like novels and books and whatever else they might be planning, so there's going to be enough to to um, fill our Star Wars uh, needs. But I mean, maybe they, there's no there's no sign they won't add any extra movies to the slate. I mean, is apparently the word is it's going to be Benioff and Weiss's films. Nobody's yeah. got any yeah. concrete evidence on that. Um, but apparently, Benioff and Weiss and Ryan Johnson, their trilogies are going to interconnect somehow. So. I guess the loaded question, which nobody knows the answer to, is if you were to be asked right now, which I'm going to, whose films are they, do you think? Oh, dude, it's going to be... Uh, I'm leaning towards Benioff and Weiss. A simple reason is Game of Thrones is finished, yeah. you know? Um, and they're probably, dare I say, they're having maybe a little bit of a holiday or something like they're that. they need it, yeah. And, and the likelihood is, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like working on this right now. They're coming up with ideas. They got their WhatsApp group chat going, and they're pinging <laughs> over ideas to each other or something. <laughs> that's um, a great. That's a great uh, image. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. But honestly, that's what I think it is. And I have heard somewhere, you know, this might not be Ryan's trilogy, but I wonder if Ryan is still involved in this. I wonder if Ryan is somehow producing it or something like that. Um, and uh, DB and Weiss are, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It would be cool if like they're, they're all working on it together. I was a bit surprised because I was kind of expecting two trilogies, right? Yeah. Six films. Um, and I don't know, maybe they are just doing one trilogy now. And then, you know, the latter half of the 2020s, um, they're going to be doing Johnson trilogy. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think this, this, this topic on its own is like a, an hour's conversation on a podcast, right? Absolutely, um, yeah. And, and we've just heard about it. And I'll be honest, since we don't know anything else right now, I kind of want to let it settle in a bit more. I want to think about it, you know, because some of my best thoughts or like ideas and stuff come when, when it's like in the most um, random times and inappropriate times. And it just pops in. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe that will be happening. So we, we don't know. We don't know. But it's exciting. It's great that they've announced it. Um, and, I, and I think it's kind of cool how they've done it kind of on the lowdown. Um, but I, I think between then and now, obviously we've got Disney plus and the Mandalorian and the Cassin Andor show is going to be taking up that, that space. So it's not like we're going to be in a total, uh, Star Wars drought. Yeah. It's not like the, the bad old days when you had to wait three years between films and there was nothing else coming out. Um, maybe Ryan Johnson's going to direct these films, who knows, but people are saying that's it. Ryan's out. He's not going to do this anymore. It would make Lucasfilm look a bit daft if, after announcing that his films are still on a couple of weeks ago, for them to kind of do an about turn in a few months' time and say, actually, they're not anymore. But like Luke said, I mean, we, we're not going to delve so much into this because we literally have no idea what they are. We don't know anything apart from that graphic that came out um, on the DL, like Luke said. So, I mean, in in time, I imagine this will be, this will take up an entire episode. But for now, that's kind of what we think about it because that's all we can say. But in, in more concrete news... Something that's been taken the internet by storm, uh, especially the Star Wars world, of course. Uh, the Vader and Obi-Wan duel from A New Hope has been reimagined for the modern age by um, FX It In Post on YouTube. Uh, this has been getting an awful lot of attention. I know about a year ago, um, like a small snippet was released online of Darth and Obi-Wan kind of going at it. And it's you know very furious compared to what we got on A New Hope. But what do I think about this? I think it looks great, honestly. I think it look. I loved watching it, and I love how they blended in the scenes from the OT with the music and the voice clips from the prequel trilogy. But if we're going to keep this real now, if this was put into any version of the OT, whether that's the original theatrical version, the special editions, the despecialized editions, I don't know, Bob down the road in his sheds version, it would jar so badly. It would not work yeah. in the context of the film. But it looks. Awesome! It tied into Rogue One Vader brilliantly, and the thing I took away most was how they really captured Vader's power, fury, and hate. So, as a as a kind of standalone bit of fun, brilliant, awesome. If I was to watch a special edition with that in it, it would, you know, I think it would jar for me. But that's what I think. So for me, I thought it was awesome bit of fan fiction, um, fan work. But what about yourself? Were you digging it? 
it, you know, it goes beyond my understanding. I mean, I'm not a film editor or or graphic dude or whatever. Um, but these guys like are so clever. They should be patting themselves on the back yeah. because they killed it. It looked fantastic. I mean, obviously, if you were to insert it into a new hope, it, it would need it would it would it would need a lot of polishing up, right? To to fit in. I, I would have probably taken taken away a couple moments or i don't want to say scenes because it's just one scene isn't yeah, yeah. it um but I, I would have taken away a couple of moments one of those was vader throwing the lightsaber at the wall i'm trying to decapitate and, him yeah yeah i mean yeah and even the way actually vader slayed obi-wan just didn't seem right and then the dialogue about like strike me down now and i'll become more powerful than you you can ever imagine you know that should have been done i think just before vader striked him down mm -hmm. you know but then again i haven't gone to the 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 unbelievable effort of writing designing and creating this you know this masterpiece it's it's great you know to think how far fan films have come yeah. it's unbelievable or fan scenes in this case um, and what it goes to show, the, the thing that I really uh, took away from this, it goes to show how passionate and dedicated Star Wars fans are. You know, we're a dedicated bunch, um, and it's so it's so lovely to see. Yeah, so that lovely. Be cheap either. Art. No, no, not at all. Not. At all. I mean, you got like dudes like Star Wars, like making these Vader clips. You know, they they cost thousands. Yeah, yeah. Thousands of thousands and they're doing it out of love for the fantasy for the for the for the story and i think that's so magical that there's something really to be said about that kind of star wars fandom you know it really is hard to compare we we really are a special bunch yes we take that whatever way you want. Yeah, we're all just very special, special. All, all of us together special <laughs> yeah I, I agree it went a bit far in some places but yeah, because it's because it's a very expensive, you know, YouTube fan film. I let it slide because the visuals looked cool. You know, it looked great how they um, uh, put uh, they inserted ben, old Ben's face from the original into this new fan film. It looked great, um, but yeah, as as it is, it's Love just a, it's just a pretty damn fine piece of um, fan film. So um, yeah, I enjoyed it, and I know a lot of people out there did as well. So uh, what's the last bit of news? I'm so proud. So, so the last bit of news is actually um, it's it's from a news article um, about Natalie Port Portman talking about the prequels. It was a little bit of an emotional read actually, um, because <laughs> Natalie Natalie Portman admitted that Star Wars prequel backlash was was a bummer, mm -hmm. um, and obviously, you know, she was she was quite a young um, lady when she uh, filmed in the Phantom Menace. Do you know how old she was? Matt. Um, in the fantasy 1999, she probably wouldn't have been much older than 18, 19 years old. Yeah, and I mean that's that's a lot really to take on as as a young lady. Um, and she goes on to say it it was hard. It was a bummer because it felt like people were so excited about new ones I and mean, new Star Wars films, and then to have people feel disappointed. Also, to be at an age that I didn't really understand that kind of nature of the beast. Uh, oh, that's the kind of beast. Um, when something has that much anticipation, it can almost only disappoint. And I think that's a really interesting thing to take away. Um, 
you know, thinking about the sequel trilogy, thinking about Solo, or about anything really, sometimes it feels like you can't make a perfect Star Wars film, or film in general yeah. for that matter. Um, I know a few guys who are big Marvel fans are actually kind of come away from Endgame complaining or disappointed or whatever, um, despite that the overall majority seem to enjoy it. And I, and I think it's it's just a shame when obviously it involves the actor, actors and actresses, especially when they're at such a young age. You know, when you think yeah. of like Ellie Marie Tran um, with The Last Jedi and whatnot. But I think what was lovely was how the article kind of goes on to say, however, um, Portman noted that some fans have re-evaluated their initial reaction to the films. Um, wow, yeah, that's completely true. And I tell you what has happened. People like yourself, Matt, and, and especially me, who I'm a kid who was born in the I grew up with the prequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. People like me are adults. We pay our council tax now, <laughs> right? We, we have valid opinions and stuff right yeah. now. And, and we grew up with the prequel trilogy and we love them despite their flaws, despite their imperfections. We adore them. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith, especially, especially Revenge of the Sith, is such a good Star Wars film and has some of the best moments in the entire saga in the entire saga. Um, and it's lovely that, that at the kind of at the end of the article, she says with the perspective of time of time, it's been reevaluated by a lot of people who actually really love them now. And that's so true. That's so true. Exactly. And the people who grew up with them, like yourself and me, cause I wasn't, I'm not that old to have seen the OT in the, in the cinema. I wasn't even born then. Um, so yeah, we have now grown up, with these films and that's where the reevaluation has come from the people who are now old enough to buy lottery tickets pay council tax and uh and whatnot we are now old enough to have a voice and say what we think about the films and they're not as despised as the world may have you believe they are not perfect films at all but what film is um but yeah the most pertinent part of that was was when Natalie Portman saying yeah when something has that much anticipation it can only disappoint and Luke and myself we are going to be guilty of this at some point with the rise of Skywalker coming up, we're going to be speculating irresponsibly, left, right and centre with our theories and your <laughs> theories. And it, it's probably going to build up this image in our mind of what we might see or subconsciously what we really want to see. And if we don't see it in the film, will we be disappointed? Maybe. But this is just the nature of the game now, obviously, with social media and everybody having a chance to chip in. You know, the world gets to build up its expectations and we're never going to be... No, ne Everybody's going to be satisfied uh, like even like Luke said, despite Endgame potentially being the biggest film of all time soon, not everybody, including me, haha, <laughs> was satisfied with it. But on just to end that, I would love somehow to see <laughs> Natalie Portman back in the Star Wars franchise. I don't know. I'm not sure it could happen. I'm not sure it ever would happen. But a, an actress of her caliber, her caliber, Oscar-winning actress who absolutely elevates anything she's in. If you've ever seen things like Black Swan, for example, go and see that. Jackie. Wonderful. Uh, the film she's in recently, Vox Lux, not a great film, but she was magnificent in it. She's just an actress who has this unrelenting kind of screen presence. And if somehow they could get that back in the Star Wars world, even for just a 30 second flashback or, or, or just a memory of Luke thinking about his mother, I'd be all in for that just because I, Natalie Portman's possibly 
possibly my favourite working actress out there now because she brings it every time. But yeah, I agree. This was a this was a, a, a nice little article to throw in there at the end because um, it's just good to hear Natalie Portman talk Star Wars for one, and it does have that kind of message that you know with so much anticipation, then it may lead to disappointment. So just temper it and just enjoy what we get. Um, so on that, what we're getting coming up soon. We mentioned this little TV show coming on Disney Plus soon. You may have heard of it. It's called The Mandalorian, and that is what we're going to be talking about for the bulk of this show. Uh, we <laughs> It was debuted at Celebration in Chicago a few months back now, and for me, my hype is was uh, the Rise of Blywalker level. I, this, I'm so excited for this. Um, and we've got quite a lot from Celebration, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what we do know Sort of like who the cast are, the directors, um, and then we're going to sort of discuss the footage that we saw and what we think and what our hopes and fears are. Uh, and I know I know some of you have also given us some of your hopes and fears as well. So uh, thank you for that to start with. But what do we know? Um, I'll run through the cast list quickly. We've got uh, Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian, which is going to become quite tough. The fact that we can only call him the Mandalorian. Uh, obviously, he's known um, from Game of Thrones for uh, as Oberon Martell. Uh, and more recently in Narcos. Carl Weathers is playing Grief Karga. He's the head of a bounty hunter's guild. I know him and love him, and so does everybody else. There's Apollo Creed in Rocky 1-4. to And he's also in Predator and Happy Gilmore. Gina Carano plays Cara Dune, a former rebel shock trooper. Uh, she was a former MMA fighter. Uh, she's also been in the Fast and Furious 6 Deadpool. And then we get the visionary director, Werner Herzog. Wonderful director. He's actually acting in this as one of the villains, apparently, in a short role. A small role. Nick Nolte, the excellent Nick Nolte, another unknown character. And Giancarlo Esposito, again, an unknown character at this time. But I'm excited about the cast list, but I think we've also got a pretty diverse list of directors as well. Yeah, we there's there's a big mix of um, directors. First and foremost, it's our boy, our one and only boy, Dave Filoni. Um, for those of you who don't know, Dave has worked... At Lucasfilm for Yonks, he's worked with George on the Clone Wars animated series, Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. And he's also become kind of like the head of animation. Is that right, Matt? I think that's a pretty much his title, yeah. Yeah, and I think he's helped out on a few other things. And, and his knowledge of the Star Wars um, universe is is grand. But but that's mostly because he's had he's had a big big influence on creating new Star Wars lore, um, which which is great, which is really great. So um, we know that Dave Filoni is directing the first episode, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, he's really influenced all of, all of the other episodes. Obviously, uh, Favreau and Filoni have written it, haven't they? Yeah, Favreau's the showrunner and the producer. He's, he's like the main man, and Filoni, Filoni's kind of like the godfather. He's given them all the, like you just mentioned, he's helping out with the information. So the, whilst Favreau is kind of, he knows his Star Wars, Dave Filoni is like George Lucas light. He's helping him out with all the canon and what does work, what won't work. So he's kind of helping pull the strings. But And yeah, he's directing I, that pilot. But yeah, him and John Favreau are kind of pulling the, pulling the shots. It's It's so cool to see. Dave Filoni getting so involved. There was this moment in the um, in the panel in the Mandalorian panel at Star Wars Celebration, where um, John Favreau, bless him, said, oh, this is like the first time we've shot Star Wars on the continental USA. Yeah. And, uh, and Dave, 
Dave Filoni, absolute king. He's sitting there with his lips. He does this thing. If only we were on camera, man. He does this thing with his lips, and he's like, sh- he's like questioning it. Like, and he looks up above above him. I'm doing the movement on my, with my face. If you want to imagine this, guys. If only you could see. Um, but <laughs> anyway, he does that as if to say, no, that's not quite true. Obviously, like indoor and stuff was shot in in California. Um, and I think they've done a few other studio yeah, uh, pieces here and there across the US. Um, but it was so lovely. Just that was so such a tiny thing. And it's a it's a honest mistake to make. And it's probably one that John Favreau's was like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, my bad, my bad. But, um, yeah, Dave Floney, absolute legend. That um, that well. le- oh, yeah, what a legend. What a legend. And and an obsession with wolves. <laughs> yeah. If, if, for you guys um, who, who don't know, Dave Floney really likes his wolves. And you'll see a lot of that um, throughout uh, most of the, the creations of, of his. Um, especially Star Wars Rebels. I mean, at the end of Star Wars Rebels, there is literally wolves. In <laughs> there it. is literally yeah. giant ones. Um, Huge. Pretty, it's pretty. It's it's cool though. He does it. He does it in a pretty cool way. Um, but anyway, that leads us on to our next star. I thought this was really cool. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Howard. That's a familiar surname. It is. Well, yeah, it is because Ron Howard. She's the daughter of Ron Howard. Of course, Ron directed Solo, a Star Wars story, or well. Or not all of it, obviously. Well, yeah. um, the guys who made the Lego movie. Uh, what was that? Name? Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller. Thank you, mate. See, I'm I'm glad I got a film expert here <laughs> on the podcast with us. Because I don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, but you um, do. no, we, you obviously Ron Howard come over and polished the film and and directed um, a lot of it. We don't exactly know how much of it um, he he directed, but Ron Howard's known for a lot of other things and being. Kind of like a protege of Steven Spielberg, yeah. um, and now we got his daughter involved in the Star Wars universe, which is great. And it's great to see um, a female director. Um, but it doesn't end there. We got Taika Waititi, Waititi, sorry, um, who's known for Wilder People, Thor, Ragnarok, and What We Do in the Shadows. Obviously, a lot of fans, a lot of people, happy about this decision this guy jumping on board directing a mandalorian episode um let's see let's see how it goes um we next we have rick famuyua oh, you did it i think you did it is that right famu famu famuyua it works it, for me uh, yeah okay okay rick famuyua who's known for the film dope um pretty cool i like that they've gone for an indie director here yeah Ah, okay. And then and then last but not least, we have Deborah Chow, known for Je- Jessica Jones. Again, it's great to see another female director in uh, amongst a pool of directors. There's a real mix of people there. Um, and, y- you know, race, gender and stuff, it doesn't really matter as long as what they're making is good. Can't argue with that. Like you said, there is a proper diverse mix there because Dave Filoni's never done anything live action, I don't think. This is his first foray. Bryce Dallas Howard's done a couple of short films. This is her kind of first re- you know, real big um, directing gig. Taika Waititi is more known for his comedy, but Hunt for the Wilder People was a, If anyone hasn't watched it, go check it out. It's a really good New Zealand indie film. Um, but obviously he brought the laughs in Thor Ragnarok and What We Do in the Shadows. Rick Famuyiwa, yeah, I think that's how you say his name. So apologies, Rick. He has got those indie stylings, and as has Deborah Chow. Um, so... I'm excited to see what kind of tones 
they bring. I'm also excited to see whether or not they, the tone stays consistent throughout different episodes with different people directing it. But I'm guessing that's where having uh, Favreau and Filoni on hand is uh, key to ensure that there's that kind of familiarity between uh, each episode. Um, also, it's being scored by uh, Ludwig Göransson, who composed the Oscar-winning score for Black Panther. Um, and whilst the film was pretty good, the, Oscar, the score was fantastic for that film. He also did the music for Creed 1 and 2 and Venom as well. So we've got a real mixed bag in terms of cast, mm-hmm. directors, and even like yeah, Ludwig Göransson just having him on. It's a real kind of left-field appointment, but hey, he's just won the Academy Award, so... The guy, the, the guy already know what he's doing, but having that kind of level of ca- uh, caliber of quality on is uh, is exciting. And I like the diversity of the cast. Uh, Pedro Pascal is going to be great. I love Kyle Weathers. Seeing Werner Herzog in anything is exciting for me because he's one of those I mentioned visionary directors, very arty. But he's the word visionary probably has his name next to it in the dictionary. But um, so that's that's what we definitely know. We absolutely know that is what's happening. That's who's. Um, behind the camera, that's who's in front of the camera, and that's who's tinkling the arteries and making some music. Let's talk about what we did actually see at Celebration, so our first look. Well, yeah, so so we actually got um, the the main uh, Celebration panel um, that you, you, you and myself uh, watched live yes. from Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Um, however, however, we got some amazing, amazing behind-the-scenes stuff um, that I have actually rewatched. Um, what I love, I love that they've made um, like the practical ship, like the models and everything. Yeah. And, you know, they're showing us how to to make the, the the ship look like it's actually flying. You know, in that classic Star Wars manner. Oh, it's it's delicious, absolutely. <laughs> And um, yeah, we we got to speak to all of the cast and stuff. The panel itself, the panel itself, did not feel quite as polished um, as the episode nine panel, um, but it probably gave us some to play with, if if we're being honest. Now, of course, it, it comes to the inevitable where um, John Favreau comes in, in the middle of the panel and says, "Guys, um, for everyone who's watching at home, we're going to have a three minute break." Yeah. Um, and obviously everyone else around the world who's watching live on YouTube or whatever, um, they get up and make a coffee or a tea, tea. and, and a few hours later we get to watch it <laughs> on YouTube from a camcorder. But obviously at the end, at the end of the three minute pause, John Favreau says, well, if, um, obviously, please, no one record that. Well, it's been yeah. gone, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, well done saying it now. Everyone's um, sitting at their phone behind their hand trying to get a bit of footage. And, dude, I can't help but feel he did that on purpose. Yeah. I can't the, help but feel he did that on purpose because he wanted... The footage is still up there, isn't it? And it's still out there. It's not deleted on YouTube. They just didn't want any Mandalorian footage getting out, going on and uh, going on YouTube and competing with Episode Nine, competing with itself. Yeah, they wanted just true. just the Episode Nine trailer to be the biggest thing on the internet that weekend. And I, I kind of don't blame them. But yeah, anyway, so we've seen all the footage, we've seen the video, we've seen what we weren't meant to see. Um, so we've seen a bit of behind the scenes action. We saw what we assume the first few minutes of an episode, and then we see kind of like a montage of what happens um, in in the show. 
with some amazing characters and some amazing action. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what we saw in those things. Obviously, there are a lot of throwbacks. Yes. I'm guessing a lot of that scene is, is filmed on Tatooine, maybe one of the Moss uh, settlements, Moss Eisley, Moss uh, Shutar, Moss whatever else there is. Esper? No, no. There we go. Is that the one in Phantom Menace? Moss Esper, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah Moss Eisley yeah. so is a new hope, yeah. That's right. Moss Eisley is a new hope. So, um, obviously, I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure it's set there. We obviously see see so many original trilogy epics. It's amazing. <laughs> you get Twi'leks, there's Jawas, Rodians. You get we see the we see the Mandalorian riding a Jubak, and a, a Trandoshan like Bosk type character. That's just some of the the aliens we see. And yeah, the yeah. the underworld aspect is so well done. It looks so grubby and dirty. And John Favreau at the panel said how much he was really. He basically put all his cards on the table and said, we're going for a original trilogy feeling. We're going for that vibe. We're five years after Return of the Jedi. So this is what we wanted to feel. And it did. It had the kind of brooding, uh, tense aesthetic of the OT. And I, just from even behind the scenes, got me excited when we saw John Knoll in his garage, I think he said, creating all these ships and miniatures and just kicking it old school again. And I loved, loved, loved how um how the the passion and craft that's just gone into this, but yeah that the the footage we saw the seven minute footage which we uh saw eventually i I loved the tone of this um did you it's the it's the first thing I'll ask before I get too excited I absolutely adored the tone of of what we rogue one ish meets um western yeah it's so I know western. That I, I think we in our celebration um, recap um, is that Pedro Pascal watched a lot of Clint Eastwood films and you you can tell by the way he walks, by the way he's walking down the street and by the way the stormtroopers are saying, oh, you know, um, there's four of us, you know, and he goes, oh, I like those odds. That's so, oh. so cool. That was so cool. cool. That was such a great introduction to what he's all about. And in that scene, there's something that I really liked in that scene where the Imperial officer is obviously speaking in some sort of like German or Austrian accent. Yeah, that's saying, Werner Herzog, that is. That's right, that's right, that's right. And and the, dude, the dude's saying, um, you know, are things better since the revolution? Yeah. Since the revolution. He doesn't, he doesn't refer to it as a rebellion since the revolution. Rebellion, it almost implies there's heroics. It's almost like revolution, sarcasm, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, re- exactly. Revolution caused a lot of damage. Done. That that it's that's been messy. It's been bloody, um, and and you you can see that in in a lot of language um, that the media use, for example. Um, and it, it, it's just little touches like that I really like. And we're gonna really. I, I feel like this is gonna fill in a few blanks of what happened to the galaxy between Return and the Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens politically, right? Because Luke and, and Leia and stuff and Han, they might have been on the right tracks for a little bit of time, but there's a lot, there's a lot of common people in, in between. And how you deal with that sort of conflict is imperative at the start. Um, prime example is, it, it, is, is Star Wars always looks at 
historical events, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at what happened directly after World War One. You know, the Treaty of Versailles. Yeah. How that, how that really was the World War Two. If you look at the core of it, uh, uh, really, what happened? What how the Allies um, restricted the German nation and the German people? It was kind of just a ticking time bomb. And it's and somebody and, rose up from the ashes of that, and look what happened. There we go. There we go. And that's kind of the story we're getting right now. Is this story of a second uh, galactic uh, war? And, and we're about to see the remnants of that in in the rise of Skywalk. And I, I think that both factions will kind of be at the end of their tethers. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks incredible. Looks really cool. And it looks my favorite thing about this is that it's going to expand the mythology even more. It's going to be great. I'm a law fiend, as I mentioned in the last show. Uh, I've also got us to do shout out to Luke Bly for being on the show. He was away last week, but he's back again this week, as you can hear. Um, yeah, that scene with Werner Herzog was great. He's one of those kind of he. You can tell that he clearly that dearly misses the Empire, and he can't. He won't let go of the remnant of the Empire, even though it's been five years. Or the Battle of Jakku was, I think, a year after the Battle of Endor. So, in terms of the actual Empire falling. I think it's about four years. The Mandal- uh, four years has passed between Jakku and the Mandalorian. So it's been four years, and the guy really looks and sounds like he can't let go. Um, he later says the Empire improves every system it touches. So he's a villain, and he's clearly someone c- clinging on to the values and um, attitudes of the Empire. And as we know, they weren't always the best to uh, best to cling on to. But before that, as well, we get we meet Grief Karga, which is um, Carl Weathers' character. The head of the Bounty Hunter Guild, and it's in this grubby-looking cantina, and I know a lot of people say, oh, another cantina, we have one, obviously in New Hope. Then there was Mars's Castle, and everything else, but this, it looks right. Having Yay. the Mandalorian and a head of a Bounty Hunter meeting in a grimy kind of you know, <sighs> hub in the middle of nowhere is great, and what I also liked was Grief Karga says... You know, he mentions these kind of small-time bounties he's got for the Mandalorian. There's nothing here, um, nothing which pays big bucks. We've got, you know, there's a troublesome smuggler out there. We've got a bounty on him. It's a, it sounded to me like a cheeky little wink to Han Solo, calling him a troublesome smuggler. We're not going to see Han Solo, but it's just a nice little... Mm. Those kind of nods, I will be, mm. I'll be really happy to see. I don't want Han Solo to come jumping in and sort of holding hands with the Mandalorian and taking the bad guys out. This little cheeky little wink, winks and nods like that. Would be great, but just uh, like for yeah, from going from the cantina, then you go through these cut these marketplaces which look like proper Battlefront Two visuals, and then you get to um, yeah where he meets Werner Herzog and the stormtroopers. It's such a brilliant little passage. In between that, do you remember Salacious Crumb from Return of the Jedi? Jabba's little pet. Yeah, the monkey. I was just about to say that. Go for it. Yeah, it's the monkey getting cooked on the spit <laughs> yeah. roast, wasn't it? The like, monkey that monkey was lizard. so good. Yeah. It's so good. And his mates and his I mates in the cage that. watching it watching him getting fried as well. It's so that was so good. Just a little tiny tiny detail and then the crowd loved it. Yeah. You know, because there it was and it, there was so many little things for for us guys, right? It, for the moment he goes to that base and he and the eye thing comes out, the security yeah. eye thing, you know, that's that's return of the Jedi, right? That's Jabba's palace. Yeah. And then we got the gonk droid not long after oh, that. It was amazing. God. The stormtroopers' armor looks rugged. It looks worn. It looks, it looks like it's good polish. 
oh mate it, it looks proper good it looks really really good um and and yeah they just like what you said earlier you know about the bounties oh we've only got this there's a really there's a really tiny tiny little moment that i think actually it's really impactful the state of that system and that planet which is likely tatooine yeah um and he says oh that that barely pays for the fuel nowadays right that barely pays for fuel nowadays that probably implies that since the empire's fallen economic decline has happened i know it's a, it's a really tiny moment but it's there it's not there by accident that's not a random line it is there to show that if if there is something very stable in power and something instable comes into power or, or effectively nothing takes up its power there's a power vacuum yep. then there is going to be instability and that can last months or sometimes years and in this case it's years and i think that is super super cool that's a brilliant just pick a, up actually yeah it was something that i only noticed um yesterday I re- i've watched the mandalorian footage of, i don't know like five six <laughs> Yeah, or maybe more than that. I I, I absolutely love it, and it, I think it's you know enchanting. Um, but I I think if people complaining about the bar thing, man, they they need to get over themselves. Like if they can if they come to the UK, then how many pubs have we got? <laughs> Where's the common meeting place? And some look a bit people? like that as well. Yeah, exactly. They do. Yeah, and then. There are loads of pubs and you go all around the world. There are bars just like that everywhere. It's a common meeting place for people. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't buy into that. That's rubbish. It looks incredible. It looks so, so good. I cannot wait. And another thing is this isn't a, this isn't a small takeaway. It's a fairly big one. When Werner Herzog's character, because he, he's the guy who gives the Mandalorian this unknown bounty, bounty grief cargo sent him there to basically say, look, we've got a bounty which is off the record. It's going to pay big bucks, but it's off the record. We've got you need to go and take this card to this guy. He'll give you the information. And um, Werner's character, Werner Herzog's character, gives the Mandalorian this uh, Beskar, which is the armor, which the armor which is um, which makes the Mandalorians. It's a metal, sorry, which makes the Mandalorian's armor, which is like sacred to them almost. He gives him that as a down payment, and the Mandalorian again, he wants to take that back to his people. I'm guessing to Mandalore. So it's kind of it's a sacred thing almost for them, a rite of passage to have this Beskar. Um, and then he says to Bounty, "We can't tell you anything about him. We can give you his last known um, position and the last four digits of his ID, whatever that may mean." But they say the bounty is a fifty-year-old man. Oh, I'm just saying that you know Boba Fett would be about fifty at this time. That is wild speculation. Um, a lot of people, as we're going to get on to, mention Boba Fett, but you know Boba Fett might be about fifty years old at the time. I'm just uh, interested to know uh-huh. who the bounty is. He's dead. I think he's as well, but there's something in the back of my mind thinking: Are they going to pull a fast? Like at the end of uh, there's only eight episodes in this first season one. Are they going to have, you know, the Mandalorian find Boba Fett, I don't know, in a dive bar or sort of crawling out of the Sarlacc's gut or something? Are they going to end with that to get people back for season two? I mean, that, again, that's just wild speculation, but 50-year-old man is the bounty. Could be anyone in the galaxy, but interesting. It is interesting. And it, this kind of... I could feel up, coming. <laughs> it opens up like a whole... 
avenue of, of speculation and of thought process, really. They, they didn't touch on, on who the bounty was at all. It could be a nobody, right? It could be yes. just like the pilot, pilot episode and it could be nobody. But think about it, right? Think about it. And this this plays into my hopes for the for the program, right? But I, I know we're skipping like a minute or whatever, but I'm diving no, straight. No, go for it. It. I'm diving straight into it. Some of my hopes on the Mandalorian. One of the biggest ones is that the Mandalorian does a great job in tying together the eras. This has an opportunity to beautifully sew together the the sequel trilogy trilogy and the lore and the fantasy of the prequels. Right, you think that Dave Filoni is responsible for some of the most amazing, amazing um, stories told in, during the prequel era in the Clone yep. Wars, and then we get what we see in Rebels, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get a lot, a lot of um, Easter eggs for those time periods, and this person could bring that all together let's say for example it's someone like thrawn mm. where, right. where, where is he after the events of rebels there we go there we go we don't know and maybe the empire want him back they want him back dead or alive right i ideally alive but they don't want anyone's hand anyone else's hands to get on 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 him so they say well he can be dead too that's another interesting thing. See, this is the fun part about speculating. I know, um, for example, our, our boy over there in Western Pennsylvania, uh, Anthony, a rural farm boy, isn't the greatest fan of speculation, but it can be so fun sometimes. It's so good. I love speculating. Like, listen, uh, it's just one... It's one... <laughs> it's the Thrawn <laughs> thing. It could be that I've just watched Star Wars Rebels again recently. <laughs> <laughs> Like it could be, it could be anyone, right? It could be, it could be. It could be Ezra Bridger. Yeah, yeah, it could be Ezra. It could be one of the Inquisitors, right? They maybe they want one of the Inquisitors to come help out the Empire. It could be Ray's dad. Yeah, it could be Ray's dad, who's Ezra Bridger. Um, Or or Snoke, yeah. No, let's not go down that Sarlacc Sarlacc (laughs) bit. We'll be we'll be talking for hours, but uh, dude, it, it could be anyone. And you watch, you watch. Now we've said that, it's going to be a nobody. Yeah, gonna and everyone's going to lose Johnson. their minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should have had Ryan Johnson uh, direct one of these things. I would have actually loved to see that. Um, uh, well, yeah, hopes and fears. I'm hoping, I want I want great action, but I'm. it's not quite a hope. It's more of a anticipation. I'm looking forward to, we've mentioned them, but the visuals. How, what's it going to look like? Because um, Werner Herzog's called this a phenomenal achievement in filmmaking. He though he goes on to preface that by saying a lot of it is because there's not so much green screen. It's all on location shooting. The effects that. are real, kind of like um, well, like they've been championing with Rogue One and all these other films. It kind of boots to the ground feel. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, um, on the kind of the flip side of that though, says they shot in something called the volume, which is a piece of tech I'm so interested in. Um, it's basically they used it on Ready Player One and Avatar, kind of used very similar techniques. But it's basically a massive room, warehouse with blue screen everywhere, top, bottom, left, right, everywhere is blue screen. And there's motion tracking cameras so they can capture every movement the actors make. They can they can play with the entire landscape. You can modify it to however you want. So whatever you see in the background, they can switch up as they, as the actors are going along. Uh, I'm guessing they can possibly uh, manipulate. Like uh, the sort of wind or whatever to make it look real and that, but it's 
how they're going to use this footage in the Star Wars show also makes me think, where are we taking this? Because we know we're getting new planets and new places because yeah. it's apparently it's going to be on Tatooine a fair bit, which makes sense. But they are uh, branching out into new planets. So if they're using the volume, which is this incredible sort of new um, pioneering uh, bit of tech, which Lucasfilm are always known for, where are what I mean, what kind of terrain are they going to? So visually, that's what I'm I'm looking forward to is what are, what are they going to give us? Because it doesn't look cheap. This doesn't look like a kind of B movie cheap TV show. This looks legit, no, it doesn't. like a mini movie. Dude, so it, looks, it looks better than like most films out there. I know exactly, and that's why I guess I just can't wait. So, I mean, my first again, I've not really hope, but my first kind of you know anticipation is visuals. That's what I'm going to go for. Yeah, that's a great one, and I think. They've really set the standard here. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I think this is probably going to be one of the best-looking fantasy TV shows of all time. Oh, I can see it, yeah. I can see and that. I, and I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. I know I'm a biased, crazy Star Wars no, fan. But it's got a big budget uh, behind it and, and creative minds behind it who can – like Lucasfilm, for example. So, Dude, isn't it like the biggest budget TV show ever? I want to say it's about – 10 to 15 million dollars an episode which is massive i think game of thrones is currently thrones, isn't it? i think that's about 10 million and i haven't seen the new series but the internet's told me not to but apparently it looks for whatever with fullbacks it may have it looks stunning apparently so it just goes to show with that budget and, and tv you know tv spectacles now look legit now so uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna look incredible i think for sure for sure I also like the fact that they've uh, modelled the Mandalorian's gun from Boba Fett's from the holiday special. So you're talking when you're saying about pulling from canon and combining, they're even throwing things in from the holiday special as well. Um, uh, this this is kind of off to, off the beat and tr- off the track a little bit, but if you notice that the Mandalorian logo doesn't actually mention Star Wars anyway. I know. I thought that was a really unusual move. I was yeah, it's, it's interesting the day. And and it and it, it it surprised me from literally the moment we saw, um, you know, when you like tuned in to to the Star Wars Celebration panel, yeah. it literally just said the Mandalorian. There was no Star Wars on yeah. it. I, I like it. Kind of a, yeah, I I do like it because I guess it it kind of came to the point where they were like, where do we put it, right? Because the, the films, the spin-off films, are a Star Wars story. Um, we have Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Solo, a Star Wars story. The Mandalorian, a Star Wars continuing story. A Star yeah. Wars show, a Star chapter. Wars chapter. You know, it. And we said that at the same time. That's weird. The Force is clever. with us. Great <laughs> mind. <yeah. laughs> but, what a man. But, yeah, I, I think it's actually quite a brave decision. And it must, I don't know, it must show some confidence in what they have. Unless maybe, you know, it's under the Star Wars subcategory on Disney Plus, which would make kind of sense. But you know what I think they're banking on? They're banking on the fact that you can look at it and you know it's Star Wars. And as far as I can see, if if, if the logo or like, you know, when you go onto like Netflix or something and you hover mm-hmm. over something, there's not just the logo, right? There is also the like a, a still photo from from the show. And we know, we have that one still photo of the Mandalorian walking down the Market Street in Tatooine. Um, I mean, you look at that and you go, 
anyone in Iran knows that Star Wars. Yeah. Like, no one looks yep. at that and thinks, oh, lovely, you're blinking Harry show. No one's <laughs> going to do that. They're all going to know that Star Wars, right? I do think this has the potential. It has the ingredients to be not only a phenomenal show for us Star Wars fans, I think it's going to be one of the best things we see ever in Star Wars um, lore and, and storytelling. Um, but I think a lot of people who subscribe to the Disney Plus channel, and there are going to be um, a lot of people, I think they're going to watch this and they're going to get hooked. Oh, I, I agree. On the kind of flip side of that as well, though, whilst you were saying, I'm also thinking maybe they haven't put Star Wars in the title. So for people who aren't Star Wars fans, they might just see The Mandalorian and think, you know, what the heck is this? And tune in without that kind of baggage of it being Star Wars and and watch it and maybe enjoy it and get hooked before they find out it's Star Wars. So maybe they're kind of doing a bit of counter argument uh, work to that. So, Do you know what? I, that's, I mean, that's a really, really good point. I never thought of that, and that actually makes a ton of sense. Um, but both work because it's it's going to draw... People of Star Wars fans who know what Mandalorian, Mandalorian is, is going to know that. And people like you, me and the listeners who are in the loop, we know about the Mandalorian anyway. And and the visuals of the show kind of give it away. But for the, there are there will be people out there who have never heard of this show. And there are people who just, who will just go on Netflix and watch whatever show comes up on their recommended list. So yeah. this may be a way of roping rope people in. And the question is, when is Disney Plus launching in the UK? Because I don't think oh, it's coming out in, in November like it is in the US. What? And I'm wondering if that's going to cause a slump what? in the subscription. Why, why do you say that out of interest? Because I'm sure I've read it somewhere. Cause I think it comes out in November in the states. That's that's for definite. I think it's November, and they're you know they're 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 leading off with the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is the biggest thing they've got on there. They have Marvel shows. They've also got every single series and episode of The Simpsons, every Disney film, and everything. So people are going to sign up regardless. It's but, so I, impressive. But they're... I believe that in the UK aren't getting it until in my head, I'm potentially 2020. And do you know what, what? that's going to mean? People aren't going to wait until 2020 to watch this. No, no, that's not going to happen, man. That's not going to happen. And that's not just me being an That's not just me hoping that. Like, surely no. It wouldn't make commercial sense whatsoever. But yeah, if anyone out there is listening, send us a message. Let us know if if I'm making this up or it's pure conjecture. But I'm pretty sure I've heard that. Obviously, the United States is going to get the big launch first. But I'm not sure it's getting rolled out worldwide at the same time. But uh, if not, that it's not going to hurt. It may hurt subscribers. Well, it's going. People aren't going to subscribe if they know they can get it in other nefarious ways. But it would make sense, surely. It would be like releasing the Rise of Skywalker on December the nineteenth, and then giving it to you know a big market like I don't know uh, anywhere in Europe or Australia or Asia in like May. Some countries do get films like a month or two late, but not to this level. On the contrary, I I am convinced I have heard that it's opening in uh, the main, uh, quote-unquote, the main um, Western countries first. So U- USA, Canada, Britain, France, Australia, New Zealand, or a, a lot of the English-speaking world, because, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you? You don't need to translate anything. You don't need to dub over anything. It's all done and dusted. Your package is ready. And and let me ask you something. A a, a big anticipation for later this year, including myself, the missus, and maybe you, is Stranger Things Season 3, right? 
We don't get that later. We get it the exact same day as the Americans get it. This is, so, this is true. And uh, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm still waiting to see the first episode of Stranger Things. It's something oh, which I would absolutely love, but I haven't seen any of it. Dude, it's so good. It's so good. I cannot wait for, for season three. Um, Welcome to Stranger Things Sessions, guys. Here we go. <laughs> ST <laughs> Sessions. Um, but but I genuinely think that, and and if Disney Plus cannot nail that, if Dis, if if someone like Netflix right can release their content at the same day around the world, especially for anticipated shows, one of probably the most anticipated shows in the world ever, Stranger Things season three, um, and and if Game of Thrones can do it right, but but Disney Plus can't do it with The Mandalorian, then no, no. Yeah, that that is a big warning sign because the, obviously the American market is the biggest market you you want to target for this sort of thing, you know, understandably. But ROW, the rest of the world, is just as important, right? As well, for, for getting those sales on it, and it's going to be in their interest to do it all at the same time. Well, there, there was an article released four days ago. I found four days ago from recording this. So the end, uh, end of the first week of May. Uh, shout out to Dominic Preston at TechAdvisor.co.uk. Disney Plus is set to debut in the US on November the 12th. The service is expected to launch in other countries at either the same or similar times. But as of yet, Disney has only officially confirmed the US date. So there is a chance that fans in the UK and elsewhere might have to wait. So they haven't officially announced it that it's coming out in the rest of the world at the same time. Apparently it's going to cost £8 a month roughly, but... Uh, we haven't actually. This was this was literally from a few days ago. Still no official word on when it's coming out internationally. United States uh, getting it in the uh, early early November, but the rest of us may may uh, have. I use that term you know loosely. We may have to wait, and if so, that is going to be a one of my fears. In that case, is not being able to see it at the same time as uh, other territories and finding out what happens beforehand. I mean. Word Sorry, on the screen. <laughs> word, <laughs> word, I just don't see it happening, mate. I just don't see it happening. I don't see how that's that that's is interesting. plausible for, for a company like Disney, who is probably, you know, debatably the only company in the world who can just create a streaming service out of nowhere and directly compete with Prime and Netflix. Yeah. Right. I mean, these guys are big boys. They're not just setting up a, a little streaming service and starting from scratch. They are literally bringing the big guns out, right? And and the Mandalorian is a big, big part of that. It's and if like they, a film release. It's it's massive, mate. Then they're, they're not going to miss this. They're not going to miss it. And and I really don't don't see them missing it. But on on the plus side, you know that week is going to be like the Star Wars week of all weeks <laughs> until, until yes. the rise of Skywalker. Um, because we also get Jedi Fallen Order on that Friday. Did you know that? Um, so the Mandalorian what, like comes out on the Monday, and then on the Friday we get a new Star Wars video game. <laughs> what a time to be alive! And there's something else as well. I think it might be one of the novels, like one of the big ones, is also dropping, literally right in the middle of it as well. There's something. So there's literally just going to be like, oh, and then you got the Rise of Blywalker four weeks later. It's literally like the hype is. That's when like Star Wars season like start properly starts kicking in. It's going to be so good. I cannot wait. I can't oh. wait. Just think, just think what we're going to get. I mean, uh, we're going to, like I said, one of my main hopes is action. I want to see some great action. We've seen 
jar was with blasters we saw the shot of the mandalorian literally smashing a stormtrooper's hel- helmet from his face mm. um, which looked brutal we've seen um gina carano's character yeah obligy 88 obligy 11 whoever that is mowing down <laughs> fools as was gina carano i mean there's you got g and carl esposito flying a tie fighter and he's like you know torch everybody and they got this flame troopers just setting fire to things it's it, it spectacle and action wise, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be like an like a seven eight hour long movie, and I'm so excited. But do you know oh. what my biggest fear is? And I've already mentioned it on this show, and I felt oh, like man. you were gonna throttle me through the airwaves. But... No 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 we, no no. We are we are we are civil. We are civil from a civil age. We are from a more civilized age. My biggest fear, and we are gonna touch on this shortly, but is that they bring back Boba Fett. That's my biggest mm. fear because the Mandalorian, just mm. from the footage, just from the footage we've seen, the Mandalorian makes Boba Fett look even more like a punk. Just like certainly in live action form. I know Boba was expanded upon in the, on Clone Wars uh, and other material, but in live action forms, Boba Fett did absolutely nothing. Uh, yet he's obviously held up and um, revered because he looks cool. But the Mandalorian is, and even Jango Fett, you know, you know, did an, almost did a number on Obi Wan, but. The Mandalorian looks like the real deal, so I hope that they don't just um, set him up and then set him up just so we can, you know, bring back Boba Fett as a big reveal. That's my big fear. I, I can't help but feel that the Mandalorian is a product of John Favreau, Dave Filoni, but also the remains of, and this doesn't get spoken about that often anymore, but the remains of Josh Trank's Boba Fett film. Yeah, Stan- of course right we were meant to have for people that don't know we were actually meant to have a bob an untitled boba fett a solo a star wars story sorry um film come out for the time so we were going to get a rogue one film a boba fett film and a solo film your your standalone film trilogy of course now we only have two and josh trank was fired um he didn't do a good job with with um the fantastic four film Right, there was a lot of backlash from that, and I actually, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure I've read somewhere it was, it was partly his decision. I don't think he could deal with the criticism from that film and the backlash from it, which is mm-hmm. a shame. But equally, it didn't seem like a film that could tell us anything new, especially like Han Solo, for example. We love and we adore Han Solo. Boba Fett is adored in a mysterious way. In, exactly. a, in, a, in, a, in a magical way where, especially in the original trilogy, without the prequel backstory, which is nice. Um, but there is this respect for Boba Fett because he just looks awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Mandalorian has taken a lot of the concepts, a lot of the work from that now cancelled Boba Fett film mm-hmm. and, and, and rolled with it, you know, done their own thing. And, you know, if they were to bring back Boba Fett, I'm pretty sure it would be the mandalorian not the mandalorian we have now does that make sense yeah, yeah it does make sense yeah it's how they do it as well but um i'm not sure i'm just trying to work out how, how they i don't mind i don't mind if they like re- refer to him as if they kind of say you know um and they wouldn't say this because i'm not a script writer but you know but you know back five years ago when boba did this or or fit was the, cool. was the big man years ago? Blah blah. I might have re- referenced him because it's obviously a, he's a big he's a big game bounty hunter. But that's my big fear. I mean, what's your biggest fear? Do you have any like major fears for what if you saw it on screen? You'd think. Arr. 
Yeah, for for me, making sure that, that the directors are um, consistent in what they're making and what they're creating and in mm-hmm. the direction they're going. Uh, but it's also humor. They've got to make sure that the humor's right. Um, I have the feeling the way this was made and what we saw, this isn't necessarily a program aimed at the whole family, mm-hmm. right? Like the saga films are. The saga films are for everyone. They're for kids, for adults, for for everyone, every generation. The Mandalorian, I get the feeling it's 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 not. It's aimed at that more mature, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah category. I I don't know. I don't 14 know. plus, 12 to 14 plus, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. And I wonder if that will get blurred in any way. I just hope it doesn't. But I, I'll be completely honest with you, mate. It's one of those things where it looks so good. Uh, there's not much reason for me to doubt it. And it, it's such an unexplored territory that there isn't much expectation. We've never had a live-action series before, so there's not really a lot to com- compare it to so I, th- I really i'm really hopeful about this one i think all of the star wars content especially since um the the solo bombing at the box office they're tightening their belts and they're saying yeah. look gotta be a star 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 there is undoubtedly a um a fantastic and very very high standard kept to star wars content especially for live action stuff right but i really feel like kathy and the team and and bob Iger, probably disney have said guys no more no more bombshells here it's it's got to be it's got to be all out perfection oh yeah behind the (laughs) scenes that's exactly what they're saying behind the scenes bob Iger. and it's is is not is is he's a nice guy you can tell he's the kind of guy probably invite you around for pancakes and syrup but he'll Put you in his in your place. You don't become. You don't get to his position of wealth and status and uh, and respect within the industry by just letting things slide. No, no, you're spot on, mate. And I feel like I feel like with with the sequel trilogy, with the spin-offs and what we've had so far, it was really Disney almost earning their money back. They earn well. They've earned over and above and beyond what they paid for Lucasfilm, right? Yes. That's, that's clear. Um, so now I think now they've shown their shareholders that they've earned the money back. They're they've in for their investment that they're they're going to take things a little slow slower, and they're going to concentrate on quality. And, and that's not to say there wasn't any any rubbish quality content coming out. It's just that you could see where the wind was blowing a little bit that they were going to almost go into this like Marvel esque factory mode where they were just mm-hmm. pumping out films, pumping out content. And I know that there's that um, there's that interview with Kathy Kennedy over at Star Wars Celebration saying, you know, we tried to test out the two films a year thing and we've decided against it because it doesn't work. It's fair enough, And it yeah. would never work with Star Wars. It, it's not that kind of franchise. It's all about the quality of storytelling. So that's, that's why I'm quite adamant that I really think this is going to be special. Um, and the other thing, my, my only other fear is that we get to see the Mandalorian with his mask off a little bit and actually get to see him act um, with with his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mask is very cool. It adds a very cool side to it, but I just hope we get to see that a bit more of that human side too. Yeah, will the Mandalorian get a name at any point during this first season? 
Probably. But I, I don't really... Ha- yeah, he's just called... He's just going to be called The Mandalorian. I, don't, I mean, that's, that was my major fear. I don't really have all that many. Maybe it's because I'm just so pumped, but I can't think of anything which would make me think, ugh, other than, you know, somehow they let the writing slip and the episodes are boring. But that's, you know, that will just come with watching it. Um, however, I haven't got that many fears. I'm just extremely excited yeah, and I also think that they are tightening their belt hence the two, the, th- the two and three year gap between films it gives us a chance to get excited and it gives them a chance to tighten things up a bit but um, we also asked you guys out there as well we've got a couple of voicemails as well what were your hopes and fears about the Mandalorian and let's kind of see if any of them uh, mirror what we said so the first one is from Katie a friend of the show at Katie3es120 on Twitter what's up guys now, besides uh, Rise of Skywalker, Mandalorian is actually the thing I am most hyped for in terms of Star Wars content that's coming out. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Pedro Pascal. He was really good in Game of Thrones, and he just looks like he's going to be an ultimate badass in this film. Like, I can't wait for it. I've always had a big interest in Mandalorians, because bits, you know, we saw bits in Clone Wars, we saw bits in Rebels, and they were some of the, say what they were, uh, some of my favourite parts of those shows. So, I would love to see... I would love to see much more from that from that part of the galaxy, and it looks like we're going to, which is going to be sweet. Um, I haven't really got many fears for the show because it's already got a second season confirmed, which is crazy considering we haven't even seen the first episode. But that tells me it must be good. And also, I trust Dave Filoni and John Favreau, two really great storytellers. So I haven't actually got any fears at all. So I could be eating my own words in November, but I highly, highly doubt it. Really looking forward to the Mandalorian. It's going to be awesome. But thank you, guys, and uh, have a good one. Thank you, Katie. You know, she's just as pumped for The Mandalorian as she is for The Rise of Skywalker, which is what we've said pretty much. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of Pedro Pascal. But it's interesting that she mentioned, uh, Katie mentioned how much she's a massive fan of the Mando culture um, that we saw in The Clone Wars and Rebels. Because I know that a lot of... I've seen a few people grumbling when they opened up Rebels, I think it's season four, with the Mandalorians, and they were thinking, oh, this is the boring part of Rebels, blah, blah. But I thought it was fairly interesting um, and how Sabine's arc went when she went back to her people and how they treated her. But just on the Mandalorian culture, is that something which you liked from the from, from Star Wars or is it something which you kind of think... Eh. I, I did. I did like the Mandalorian culture. I think like the whole idea that there is a culture in the first place is interesting because mm-hmm. we see a lot of species and planets a very physical um level but with with the mandalorian stuff you kind of get to know that for example whoever holds the dark saber right gets to yeah. control mandalore um obviously darth maul in in the clone wars took advantage of that and that's a really cool story that's a really cool story arc and it gives you a sense of their society one thing that I'm really not a fan of, this is going to sound so shallow maybe to some people, <laughs> um, but I'm a real architecture geek, right? I really love photography. I love, I like some art um, and I love visuals, right? And and something that I really don't like is actually the planet, the planet of Mandalore itself. Interesting. Um, I think it looks, I think it looks ugly and it's like super sci-fi craziness if you if you look at like what happens it doesn't look star wars it looks way too over the top look like something out stargate or something Mm -hmm. i i don't know i can't i can't put my 
finger on it. And as soon as I saw those Clone Wars episodes with Mandalore heavily featured in it, um, it, it didn't it didn't drag me in. Maybe I need to go see it again or see see some of those episodes again or whatever. Um, but that's that's just like my take on it. Like the culture itself, I'm really into. But I wonder if they're gonna like go back to Mandalore if he goes back to his home world or has it been completely destroyed by war in which case they could take that sort of urban landscape of mandalore or what we saw of it in the clone wars and make it into like a uh a blade runner Ooh. type scene now that would be cool that would be super super cool and they could definitely pull that off but I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. But it, it, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. And it's great to see, you know, people love Mandalorians. People love Mandalore culture. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm well buzzed for it. I wasn't overly, you know, enthused by the Mandalorians. I just thought they were very cool. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I've do- um, dove into it from uh, thinking about this show, the more I'm excited for him to go back to Mandalore. Some of the aspects like the uh, Mandalorians with the, with the rocket uh, launchers, I think. Oh, I'm sure we won't get that in this too much. But, um, yeah, I, I'm very quickly growing towards the, the culture of the Mandalorians and hope that they expand on it more. Um, and Kate also obviously mentioned that she didn't really have any fears because there is a second season confirmed, which there is. And John Favreau's um, running it as well. So hopefully the second season will be just as successful as the first season um, apparently will be. But... We had one more voice message come through as well. Yeah, it comes from the lovely Samuel Allen. Thank you so much for getting in touch with us, Sam. Um, yeah, let's hear what you got to say, mate. Hi, uh, Matt and Luke. Uh, thanks for inviting me on a, another episode of a Star Wars Sessions podcast. And uh, regards to my thoughts on uh, the TV series Mandalorian and regarding uh, my thoughts on the series um at the moment, um, the only fears I've got is if not all the main characters they make it into the um, next season. Um, I, I hope to have a great first season and I uh, could see a lot of action and uh, great scenes in it. So uh, I really hope uh, we'll see many of them where each explains their own history in a personal conversation if possible. Or... Um, in uh, terms of the um, cast list, the one member I'm excited for is uh, Emily Swallow, because um, I've seen her in shows like uh, The Mentalist, and uh, she also played Amara in Supernatural. Um, do you think in this one she will play a character that requires CGI makeover, or do you think she'll uh, play as her own appearance in it? Anyway, that's my question. Thanks, and uh, may the force be with you. Bye. Yeah, thank you so much, Sam. Uh, that comes from at GmasterGmarrick08 on Twitter. Samuel Allen, big guy, big big Star Wars Sessions fan. Uh, we really appreciate all the voicemails everyone sends in. means the absolute world. Keep sending them in. Um, but, yeah, thanks again, Sam. Um, right, so, so, yeah, fear is that not all the main characters will see it through to season two. Hmm. Interesting point. I think... You're probably right. To, to be perfectly blunt, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a death or two. And the reason I say that is because in storytelling like this, in storytelling like in a Western, like in any action um, film or story, normally there has to be a loss to to tell you that the danger is real, that the danger is authentic. Yep, stakes. Right? Yeah. 
And so I think if you're going to go into this fearing that all of our main characters are going to go into it alive, I mean, maybe you might want some of the main characters to die, right? Mm. Some of the main characters might be like absolute morons and they might be really evil and you might be like, no, they need to be get rid of. I don't know. Or maybe there might be a really likable character that we, we sadly have to let go of akin to Han Solo in The Force Awakens, you know? But you allow it because because it helps move the narrative. It drives the narrative forward. So I think it's 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 a valid it's a valid point and valid reasoning, but you you just have to be open minded and roll with it. As long as they don't kill off like the main dude in the first episode. Pedro yeah. Pascal's character, the actual Mandalorian, as long as he don't die. <laughs> I'm pretty on board for for most things. Yeah, it's kind of like the Game of Thrones effect as well, where now everybody fears everybody's going to die. Uh, as Game of Thrones fans know, nobody is safe, and everybody routinely get routinely gets massacred and slaughtered in that, which is good in one way because it does keep you on the edge of your seat. You don't you know that you're not going to get the one hero seeing it through to the end. You, you don't know who's going to make it out, but I'm quite confident that the majority. Are, well, we don't even really know who the main characters are. We know it's Pedro Pascal, but. Um, Carl Weathers, uh, Grief Karga, he's the head of a bounty hunters guild. How much is he going to be in the show? Werner Herzog's only in it for a very short while, just um, because he's sort of dipping in and out. Gina Carano is obviously going to be uh, one of the other key players, but we're not really too sure who the actual. Um, I think Giancarlo Esposito is going to have is going to be like the big kind of bad on the big bad that we see the most of, but we don't really know who they are. So yeah, until until I meet them, it's hard, hard to hard, quite hard to answer that, but. I'd like to see the core of them get through just to keep that continuity to season two. Yeah. And I think obviously, um, obviously Sam Samuel mentioned action. I think there's going to be plenty of fantastic action. I think the trailers, the panel, everything about it gave us plenty of reasons. Believe there's going to be good classic Western style Star Wars action in there. Um, And in, in terms of Emily Swallow from the mentalist, and supernatural there's an interesting question do we think she will play a cgi character of herself i had to like read that one a couple times and digest it a little bit it's so i'm guessing is she going to be doing like an andy circus um type of 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 character mm-hmm. and do you know what i'm gonna say never say never right yeah there are so many cg actors i mean she's not known for cg work i looked her up on on the webs on the interwebs and saw that you know she's not exactly has a cv full of um cgi work or motion capture work um but hey never say never alan tudyk wasn't known for that sort of thing either right yeah and he played he's played debatably one of the most iconic droids ever everybody k2so is so good everyone loves k2so so yeah, ne- never say never. I, I, if if I had to say, if you were putting a gun to my head or a DL forty four blast mm-hmm. to my head, I'd probably say no. She's going to be play playing a human or a humanoid, and uh, yeah, let's see. But I, I, I'd probably have to say she's probably playing a human humanoid. Yeah, I'm on the train of never say never as well, simply because we've seen so many alien races. Already, we even saw that sort of like the guy with the devil horns from a new Ho- New Hope canteen. He popped up as well, or one of his kind. So, so good. there's yeah. the rather than CG, I think there's more chance of her being in makeup or in some kind of full makeup. So we can still see her features, but we still know it's actually her physically on set and not being mocapped. I think she's going to be, you know, potentially somebody 
in a in in makeup. Whether she'll be a Twi'lek or not, I don't know. But I think she'll. I think I think there'll be more than meets the eye with her character. But yeah, thank you so much for selling that in, Samuel. And again, that golden Irish accent does it for me every time, my friend. But um, before we move on to session socials, I, I don't know if you can hear that from your side, Luke. But it's the siren, which can only mean one thing: random game time that was unknown to my co-host. <laughs> what? Yeah, this week's game is called oh. One or the Other. And I'm going to give Luke two choices from the Star Wars world. I'm going to give him a few choices. And he can only choose one. The other gets consigned to galactic garbage. So I'm going to give you uh, a load of choices, <laughs> two at a time, and you can only pick one. Okay. I'm so excited. What's going to happen? It's fun, isn't it? Okay. Hey, all right. right. Are you ready for yeah, this? You can only pick one. Let's go. All right. First one. Okay. Vader or Maul? Vader. Every day. Every day. Ray or Palpatine? Oh, oh, how, oh, how do you choose? I do, I do love Ray, and I love her character, and she's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Palpatine. Think of Palpatine. the memes. Poor Ray. Think of the memes. Do it. I mean, are we talking like in the unit? We're just talking like gut reaction. We're just talking gut reaction here. Okay, yeah, it's got to be Palps. It's got to be Palps. Next one. Is the Force with you or are you one with the Force? (laughs) I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. I'm one with the Force and the Force (laughs) is with me. Jar Jar Binks or Rose? Tico. Oh, mate, that's a hard one. (laughs) That's a hard one. Oh, I think to myself... Jar Jar Binks. I mean, <laughs> Jar... I'm going to say Rose. Yes. I'm going to say Rose. That's, that's why we do the show together. Uh, next one. I hate sand or I'm haunted by the kiss you should never have given me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the sand, right? Yeah. It's got to be the sand. <laughs> it's rough. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be that one. Come on. The Ryan Johnson trilogy or Benioff and Weiss trilogy. What do you want? Benioff and Weiss. Benioff and Weiss. <laughs> the left side of the Boonta Eve classic commentator's head or the right side? Uh, I'm going to go for a cheeky left. <laughs> a cheeky left there. Uh, the Wren of Destiny or the Kyber of Light? <sighs> Back to this again. It's never going away. For, 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 for old time's sakes, right? For old time's sakes, everyone listening in, it's got to be the Wren of Destiny. Yes, somebody out there wanted that as the episode <laughs> nine title. Blue milk or green milk? Oh, it's got to be Gone blue milk, porks or Ewoks? Oh, I'm gonna say I like the porks actually. I think the porks are really cute. Um, I'm gonna say Ewoks just because I really, really love playing Ewok Hunt on Battlefront Two. <laughs> if, if you if you haven't played it, it's quality. Get on Battlefront Two and play. Scary. You've upset my young daughter now uh, by saying by going against the porks. Uh, Kylo Ren or Count Dooku? Oh, my boy, Kylo. Big boy, if... Kylo. Around the survivors, a perimeter creates, or create a perimeter around the survivors? Oh, around a perimeter, create survivors. The first one. <laughs> yeah, first one. The first one. <laughs> the Yoda <laughs> one from the clones, yes. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith or Solo? Oh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, we've got a few more. Binary sunset oh, no. theme oh. or Star Wars main theme? <sighs> I love binary sunsets. I think it's one of the most pretty bits of music in Star Wars, but it's got to be the main theme. It's got to be the main theme. 
yippee or let's try spinning that's a good trick let's try spinning that's a good trick every day every day yeah we know what luke likes to try when he's at home uh coruscant or naboo it's got to be coruscant more depth to it a lot lot more potential the underworld the height yeah a lot more lot more to it coruscant clone wars or rebels Rebels, you know this, mate. He's a you big knew Rebels that one. fan. Just to make I'm sure he Rebel. still thinks it. Uh, comic books or novels? Star Wars comics or Star Wars novels? Oh, uh, I'm gonna say Star Wars comics just because I've collected hundreds, literally hundreds, over over the time. I don't collect them anymore just because I were burning too much of a, a hole in my pocket, and I could I find it really hard to keep up with the stories. To be honest with you. But I'm, I'm, I'm more of a visual person anyway, so I'm just about going to say the comics. Fair enough. At, at, or AT-AT? AT-AT. Yes. Watto or Boss Nass? Oh, oh it's got to be Watto. Watto. Yeah, Watto. Uh, yeah, Luke yeah, or, yeah, yeah, Luke Watto. or Anakin? Luke. Padme or Leia? Uh, Layer. Django Fett or Boba Fett? Boba. Boba. And the last two now. The the Poodoo moment in Phantom Menace or Killer C3PO in Attack of the Clones? Oh, it's going to be my boy Killer C3PO Rambo <laughs> on a going on a crazy rampage. Die every Jedi day. dogs. And the final one. Go back to Jakku or not go back to Jakku? Oh, you got to go back to Jakku. <laughs> you got to go back to Jakku, because otherwise the story doesn't... Con- yeah. Go back to Jakku. Yeah, there we go. Every, every that was, day. So that was one or the other. The latest in a line of Star Wars Sessions games, which we don't know we're going to feed to the other person as we go live on this show. So uh, thank you for participating, That's Luke. Naughty. I like that. Yeah, that was naughty. That was good fun. I like that. Yeah. Nice surprise. I want on the show notes. I know. Cheeky. I was going to put it on there, but I thought, no, no, I'm going to throw this at you. Um, throw this at you last minute. But So let's move on to session Socials then. Uh, what have we got there? Well, uh, just for fun, we asked if you could live in a Star Wars galaxy, would you? Well, on Instagram, 93% of you said yes. 7% said no. I, I respect that. I respect yeah. On Twitter, which you're going to handle, um, one, one of the people uh, says an answer that perfectly expresses my my feelings on this so Matt one it was as well we had 124 votes yes was 69% no 31 so people still want to live there the gap was slightly shorter I believe this first one might be yours by Eric Eilerson at Eric Eilerson I would die I would love to pretend that I have the fortitude to survive in that universe but I wouldn't last three days is that the one dude should have just left it at I would die I would die (laughs) I would die there we go. Done. <laughs> Enough well, said. I'll, but on the flip side, comfort, comfort home. Oh, mate, Katie at Katie One Two O. Hell yeah, yeah. The galaxy can't escape civil war. But there are bounty hunters around, but there's also glorious sites and beautiful planets like Naboo, Coruscant, Endor, plus plenty of alien space, uh, alien spaces, alien species to see. Uh, Jonathan Olif at uh, Limey Printmaker. Yes, preferably Cloud City, Best Bin. Although I can only afford that at the exchange rate to galactic credits is amazing. It's hopefully that hasn't, the bottom hasn't <laughs> fallen out. Um, at which, at which, of all the galactic wide wars and planets getting blown to oblivion, I think I'd rather be in my comfortable Earth house. <laughs> and finally, from there, yeah, imperfect at Twitter. Which, yeah. 
MVP. I, I agree with that. Solid. Imperfect future. Apologies, not imperfect. At Emerald underscore night one. Star Wars faces too many problems throughout the galaxy. Left too many traps left behind where Clone Wars make a mess of the entire alien race. Serious blockage to keep out anyone passing through their system. It will take hundreds of years for another peaceful galaxy in the neighbourhood. So, whilst the the polls say I'd say one thing, the comments kind of say people rather wouldn't go there. Yeah, I, I think... I think I prefer... I mean, think about it, mate. Our podcast wouldn't exist in a galaxy far, far away. That, that's true, actually. We might be two-headed like the commentator in The Phantom Menace. Unless unless there's a podcast in the Star Wars universe about Earth battles. Yes. Like, what, what would it be called? Pod race? Oh, we're doing we... a podcast. Yeah. You know, it could happen. If not, yeah. we, we can make it happen. Yeah. Earth battles. <laughs> Earth battles. <laughs> Earth Conversations yeah. podcast. <laughs> Nobody nicked that. We've That's got how it. it's done. That's how it's done. <laughs> that was great. That was a nice bit of fun. But but we're, we're actually taking the conversation back to this episode uh, special, which, of course, is The Mandalorian. It's what we've been uh, gobbing on about for, for the <laughs> last uh, uh, minutes, hours, days, uh, weeks. But we asked you guys, we asked you guys a really important question. What are some of your hopes and fears for the upcoming Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Well, on Twitter we have uh, one of our regulars Joe Castahu, at Joe Castahu. Uh, he wants an engaging story for one, action and great new characters. Fears? Not entirely sure. Maybe that it feels vital enough. What an what a good point that it feels vital enough, that it feels necessary yeah, exactly. enough. And, and that that is a really good point. That's a really good point. And, and I, I kind of share that sentiment. Now it's been said, it's it's not necessarily something I thought of initially. So I think that's a really cool, well, I agree. cool thought. Yeah. And then someone with one of the coolest names on Twitter ever, Mandalorian Mark, <laughs> at Mandalorian Mark, says, I hope this show slowly and eventually evolves to the Mando getting back to Mandalore and seeing the system people's status post-war. Be cool to see the protagonist develop into a Mandalorian leader. I'd love to see clan dynamics too. I fear nothing because all is as the <laughs> force. What a beautiful tweet. What a beautiful tweet. <laughs> I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And the way you've written it, yeah, as long as the Mandalore, our actual planet Mandalore, looks decent and they do it in a really nice way artistically, then I am on board. That takes us through to our favourite guy who has a, his own segment on our podcast, a gentleman from over the pond, Star Wars Poet, at Star Wars Poet on Twitter, says, Mate, an American set, mate, cool. quality. Mate, I was 100% on board with The Mandalorian when they played that actual episode footage after turning off the live stream at Celebration. Anyone who hasn't seen that should hunt it up and watch it now. If you haven't watched it, then I guess you don't really know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and we've probably ruined it for you as well. So, I think you've been hanging yeah, around with so, us for quite a while as well, Star Wars Poetry, with the word mate. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm proud of him saying that. That's quality. But um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. But after this episode, <laughs> and after you leave a cheeky little review for us on uh, iTunes or Apple Music. Ooh. Anyway, Anthony, aka a rural farm boy, our absolute hero of a listener, says, for me, same thing. Always hope for every next Star Wars story. 
another great story. Yep, it's going to be another great story. We know it. We know it's going to be good. Come on, guys. We're going to be like a cat on a hot day. We're going to lap that milk up. We're going to love it. Um, on Instagram, it's our number one. It's day one, huh? Kelly Hoston at Kelly underscore Hoston. Shout out for you for listening all the time. Uh, we appreciate it more than you know. If the characters are appealing, then I think the show will just be will be just fine. If not, the the overall story will suffer. Also, no boba. Well, you're a lady on the same wavelength as I am. But yeah, if if the characters don't work, if we don't buy into the characters, we, what what have we got to cling on to? A good story and action is nothing if we don't care about the characters. McNamara mm. Jedi at McNamara underscore Jedi. Looking forward to seeing some great action and galaxy lore building. I hear that. Hopefully, there's not too many filler episodes. I think we've only got eight episodes, so I I hope out of eight episodes we don't get that much filler. Um, all Star Wars fans at All Star Wars fans, who's uh, very uh, we like to engage with you on Instagram. Hope they don't try to add humour in this. Really hoping for a spaghetti western type movie in space. Yeah, there's a proper Sergio Leone vibe to this, and the humour we've got. I think, like Luke mentioned earlier on the show, is it looks like it's going to be not quite Last Jedi. Can I say that um, level? It's going to be a mm, bit more. And I know, I know, you'll be looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really looking forward to something with a little bit more hint of seriousness. Not that there's anything wrong with humor. Humor does does belong in in this sort of genre, and it is going to have humor. But I, I just think it's going to be a, a little bit more mature. Yep, yeah, I agree. Uh, Cataract dot three three two three three hundred thirty seconds. Sorry, this will be amazing. Uh, at Daisy Antilles simply says Pedro Pascal's face, please. So Pedro Pascal, he's a handsome <laughs> dude. So uh, Daisy, I think, well, I'm not sure if you're going to get your wish because he's got a mask on it for most of the time, but hopefully you get your heart flutters when you see Pedro's face. And our boy again at Star Wars Poetry, Curtis Smith says, that Kowakian monkey lizards being spit-roasted should set the tone for the rest. Star Wars for adults. Um, we also got a lot of Facebook messages, far too many to mention. The Essentially what we got there was a people hoping that it expands on the universe, a cinematic quality, hope it doesn't look like a fan film. Um, a few men, a few people have mentioned they actually fear that the fans themselves will just not like it because we know Star Wars fans don't like Star Wars. And one of the guys, Steve Edsall, says, I hope it gets cancelled, but I fear it won't. So um, good old Facebook giving us diverse uh, quotes. And also from the cantina as well, StarWarsNewsit.com, TK-1204 says they hope for a high-quality for production, but they fear the quality of the antagonist. So will we have a good yeah. villain? That's true. That's true. And I think the good thing about this sort of story is that you, you the, the, the villain doesn't have to be one of those villains that is going to destroy the universe or the galaxy. It can just be something a bit more local, a bit more down-to-earth or down-to-Tatooine. That's what we need, yeah. A crime lord, yeah. And I think... I think that's what we're going to get, and I don't think that's a bad thing. So, yeah, a good villain, though, it yeah definitely need, needs to happen. We can't fall into the um, the, the routine of the typical comic book villain, no. but bar Thanos, who who is a good villain. Yeah, um, he knows how to but... get the job done <laughs> eventually. So that was our social. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in all your thoughts, hopes, fears, messages. Uh, the engagement you give us makes the sessions possible. So thank you so much, and please do carry on. Uh, with with your kind words and contributions, so we we're, we're not going to end the show before we do any before we do this segment. It's one of our favourites. as canon character spotlight. Me and Luke, we get one uh, random character from canon, the whole of canon, uh, given to us 
Uh, shine a little spotlight on the unsung heroes, or maybe we'll get someone like Anakin Skywalker or the Mandalorian one day. But Luke, who did you get this week? Well, I got the lovely Biv Van George hmm. or Gorge. Gorge. How, how would you? Pronounce I think that, that might be G- Gorge. Gorge. Okay, Biv Van Gorge. <clears throat> Biv Van Gorge was a male human who worked for the Red Key Raiders, a tattooing-based criminal syndicate led by Lorgan Movalan, which rose to power following the death of Jabba the Hutt. Five years after the Battle of Yavin, Gorge and fellow thug found the human Malakili, the man responsible for rearing the doomed rancor in Jabba's palace. Wandering into Red Key territory, so they chased the man down. However, Gorge and his comrade were killed by Cobb Vanth and Issa Orr, self-proclaimed law enforcers. Notable appearance, aftermath, life debt. Funny you oh, should... he didn't get killed by Vader. He didn't actually, and I don't, I'm not sure I minded either, but it's funny you get him because Aww. it's set in, that actual, that literally that paragraph is set in the same time period as the Mandalorian, and Cobb Vanth is the guy who potentially actually wears Boba Fett's armor. In the Ooh. in the book, there was he there was Mandalorian armor which was scarred and it like scarred by acid and stuff like that, which was essentially for sale right. on the black market. And he picks it up and he kind of he doesn't become Boba Fett, but he becomes like the the bounty hunter to be feared. Now Cobb Vanth isn't oh, yeah. the Mandalorian himself, but it's interesting that literally that story comes up when we just been spent the whole lot of time talking about the Mandalorian. I know it's. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny how things like that work. Mine isn't force, eh? Yeah, mine. Yeah, mine. The force wasn't uh, working with me for that. Mine. Mine is. Uh, mine's still interesting. Mine is Niatni, which is what I shouted when I stubbed my toe last night. Niatni, um, a human female <laughs> who served as the queen of Naboo during the fall of the Galactic Republic. She served as ruler during the Blue Shadow Virus incident, as well as numerous attempts by the Separatists and General Grievous to take the planet during the Clone Wars. Uh, she was placed in a protection group along with Padme Amidala and C.O. Bibble after an attempt by Dooku Cadbane and others to capture Senator Palpatine on Naboo was thwarted by a disguised Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, by 19 years before the Battle of Yavin, she was succeeded by as Queen by Apelena. Notable appearances, the Clone Wars series. Nobody, ki- nobody was killed by the Crimson Blade of Vader. Oh, man. I feel let down. Uh, Sorry, guys. Kind of, I'm, I'm underwhelmed. <laughs> I know. This is like the second. This is like the second time no one's been killed by Vader. Is it? I think. I feel like we should cheat next time and get somebody to be like really killed by Vader. Right. All right. That first initial guy in Rogue One. We'll do him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Or the one again. The one who gets lifted it's onto the ceiling. In, it's all random, guys. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You wait for next week. Even bigger wink. <laughs> um, so that was our canon character spotlight. Sorry, guys, for not having the Vader massacre. But we're going to end off with a uh, with a poem from the uh, from the poet laureate of the show at Star Wars Poetry, Curtis Smith. This one is called the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. The Empire is gone, so there's nothing to fear. But a monster like that doesn't just disappear. You can trust in your blaster, your knife, and your gear. You can feel a strange itch when a stormtrooper's near. They may bed down with scum, their white armor gone gray, but if you turn your back, they might end you today. 
Now a bounty of Beskar, birthright of your clan, you would take any risk, you would hunt any man. Razorcrest awaits you, closest thing to a home. Half the reason you hunt is because you need to roam. The empire is gone, so there's nothing to fear. But a monster like that doesn't just disappear. Find me on Twitter, at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook, at Star Wars Poetry. Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. Thank you to Curtis for the great poem that encapsulates the tone of the show before it's even been released. Uh, great words, great stuff. Check out the Star Wars site, StarWars.com, and you'll see Curtis himself cosplaying as literal Octo Island at Celebration 2019. He donned Acto as a cosplay and walked around the McCormick place dressed up as Acto so I really like that poem and it really did sum up the show quite well considering what we've just been speaking and I love the fact that the Empire is gone there's nothing to fear but a monster like that doesn't just disappear and we know that the Empire didn't quite go away what an absolute king <laughs> yeah King Curtis keep it up with the mate as well but I am coming with a bit of bearer of bad news I'm sorry guys but that is it for this week's episode of Star Wars Sessions. It's been an absolute blast. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? Well, they can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. That's at Star Wars Session on Twitter. They can also slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to drop us a cheeky voice note or a cheeky email to our email address at sws at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. That's sws at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. And on that, next week's show is entirely devoted to all your listener questions and voicemails. So start sending them in now. We are on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podcoin, Stitcher, TuneIn. Anywhere and everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast, we are there. And listen, if you love the show, please give us a good review on iTunes. It's not us begging, I promise you. It just helps us more than you know. It gets us out there to more people. And please tell your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum. Tell your dad. Tell your mates. Tell your cats. Tell your Ewok. Tell your cousin. Tell your colleagues. Tell everyone. The more, the merrier. That's right. Tell yourself in your reflection. Tell your galactic grandmothers. This is the podcast you are looking for. So until next time, from me, it's Sia. And from Blyrector Krennic. <laughs> May the force be with you always, mate. <laughs> This part is
That's not how the force works. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs>